This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, let's get rock and rolling, Nick. So, um, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. How are you doing today, Nick? Well, I'm doing pretty darn good. Just uh, got out of clinic about 20 minutes ago, uh, walking back, and it was a good day, full day. Had a couple of uh, interesting, fun evals, a ton of good follow-up patients, and most of all, just enjoying my time with some good coworkers. Okay. It's been like two two weeks since you started working, right? Yeah, so this is my, yeah, I only work in two days a week. This is my third week on the job here. Okay. What has been your uh, biggest takeaway? Say that again? What has been your biggest takeaway so far that you learned? Something that like, you didn't take expect, yeah. or something that you learned? Um, something that so you I'll say from, from today, um, I triggered a, had a patient come in for an eval um, with kind of a lot of things going on, um, some low back pain, SI joint related, um, some bilateral hip dysplasia, um, she's in her mid-40s, uh, then some knee pain, potential ACL tear. But kind of underlying the whole thing is she has um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Which, Bob, you're familiar with that? Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? Is that what you said? Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a similar, it's a connective tissue disorder, uh, similar to Marfan syndrome with a lot of genetic hypermobility. Okay. And, and so these are people that, you know, on the bait and, on the bait and biting scale, we score a seven, eight, or nine out of nine severe hypermobility. And so they have a very hard time controlling their range of motion and having the strength within that. Whereas you or I might get kind of stopped by our innate connective tissue. It just keep on going, keep on going beyond the normal limits of what's good for them. So for me, it was, it was kind of fun, you know, where we have people where, you know, we often do our tests and measures based on people with normal motion and kind of a normal amount of that. Well, these people have an over amount of it. So you do something like a straight leg raise test, where if there is a low back pain or a disc-related low back pain, which is for some kind of neurological obstruction, you're likely to see that within the first 30 to 40 degrees of motion. Well, that can be still positive for somebody with Ehlers-Danlos within, let's say, the first 80, 90 degrees of motion. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's an interesting case. Yep. So, so what was the big takeaway? So I guess the big takeaway for me is, um, you know, something that's always been reinforced, but all these conditions, all these diagnoses are never in isolation. They're always um, overlap with each other and kind of, you know, how trauma and cumulative movement patterns build up over time. But then just taking into account that a disease is never just a disease. And there's everything is always on a spectrum of severity within that about what's present at the time. And just because one person has, rheumatoid arthritis means it's not going to affect another person with the same diagnosis the same way at all. Okay. Interesting. That, that's a that's a good takeaway. I, I like that. That's something to put in my back pocket. Um, is there anything else you want to share, like other takeaways? You know, um, from work itself, not not too much in terms of concrete cases, but I think just, you know, a reminder for all those people out there who are just getting started or maybe new in the job and different things or, you know, last couple last year for student physical therapists, you're always learning just because your quote unquote time as a student is done. You know, you're, you're always a student, you're always learning and there's nothing better than practical experience to grant you that. So always stay humble, always stay hungry. And um, 
you know, oftentimes your coworkers are in the same position where it's collaborating with them and taking ideas off of them where the real learning really continues. Yeah. I actually had, I think I had a learning experience today. Um, it's during my clinical. So, so let me just give a little bit of backstory. Maybe we could talk about it a little bit. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the whole situation. Um, so, so basically what I learned, so I'm like a firm believer in appropriate loading, giving person, giving the patient the most efficient loading um, to, to give the best results possible. Um, but sometimes, I think especially as like a, somebody new to treating patients, um, it's easy to overgauge um, what appropriate loading is sure. or what exactly is appropriate loading. So, so basically, this is, this is what happened. Um, a few days ago, I did an initial eval with, with the patient. Um, she came in. She claim, claimed of um, bilateral knee pain with bilateral shin pain and bilateral foot pain. Um, and she described it as like a numbing pain, but also she had some sharp pain in her um, quad tendons. Um, or like she pointed to her, her quad and patella tendons. So um, my first thought is that maybe it could be coming from the back. So we did some motions, and, and she felt pretty good with spinal flexion. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm talking too much, so, so backtracking a little bit. Um, she had no pain when she was coming in, and I did all my manual muscle tests, all, all the range of motions, um, and nothing really aggravated her symptoms, so I couldn't reproduce any of her symptoms other than just moving into um, some backward bending. Yep. So back, backward bending that reproduced her both her knee pains, uh, both her knee pains, and I thought to myself, maybe we should just go into some forward movement, so flexion. And she said she felt better with that. Um, but Bob, I Bob, tell, tell me more about her demographic. What's her approximate age? Uh, she's like. 30s, 30s to 40s. Um, okay, sure. She, her main complaint was that when she was on the elliptical, that's when her, her legs go numb, or when she's walking around for long periods of time. Um, so those are all like movements where, where you bend backwards when, when you like go into spinal extension. That, that's what I thought. Um, but sure. I, I still didn't know if it was still like all coming from the, knee, from the knees or from the back. So I wanted to tease it out during the initial eval. So I gave her. Um, so during initial eval, we did wall squats or, or wall sit holds just to, just to load the tendency if anything will happen. Um, nothing happened during the eval. We gave her, we bought, we gave her, um, her own exercise to do just repeated flexion movements to see if that helped relieve the numbness when she go into elliptical and maybe some wall squat holds, um, just throughout the day to see maybe if that will load the tendon and help her relieve pain better. So, so just differentiating if, if she comes back with more knee pain, um, then we know it's either, it's probably from loading the knee. If we, if we, that was from the knee pain, uh, squat or the wall holds. And, but if she's feeling better overall, then we know it's from the back. What, what do you say that that's like logical or, or do you do anything else? Um, oh, I, I would say overall that's logical, although we have a lot of evidence out there with different tendon issues. So if it is a quad tendon, let's say, as the potential pain generators bilaterally, which is not unheard of whatsoever, sometimes those lower level isometric hold exercises do a great job of restoring blood flow, working to be um, pain mediators, and it can actually help to reverse that condition as well. So it's hard to say that you completely rule it out one or the other um but you know it's it would be a good sign if 
one was effective and at least give you room to do further tests. Yes. So basically, she came in today saying that she was in the worst pain ever. Um, and then she switched therapists. And then my, my CA gave me a talk about appropriate loading um, just in general. So, so I think it was my fault. It was my bad um, on my part on, on not communicating effect- effectively that if she has pain or some sort of pain, she would, um, that would be beneficial because that would give us clues. Now, I don't know if like I'm just trying to justify to myself or if this is logical because firmly, I firmly believe in, in appropriate loading. And again, like I said, it could be easy to, to misengage um, appropriate loading for, for patients. Now, what are your thoughts about this whole situation? So I have a I have a follow up question to you, Bob, um, just to better understand the situation. Yep. You said that she came in in the worst pain. Can you describe to me how that pain was different or similar, just with a higher intensity, than the pain she came in with complaining about originally? Oh, she she didn't come with any pain. Um, okay, no pain, just originally some kind of numbness, tingly sensation in the legs, or then around the knee yeah. area, right? Okay. Yeah. And her pain that she came in with, where was that? What was the distribution? What was the quality of that pain? Well, well. Uh, so unfortunately, I didn't get to to, to see to see her again because um, she didn't want to see me. So so I I didn't I wasn't able to tell. But I, I um, she did tell me that she did feel better with um, spinal flexion, just moving in just moving in flexion direction. Um, so I'm not sure overall, but. Um, I, I think it's just this idea of appropriate loading and like, when is it, when do you think, how do you gauge if it's too much? How do you gauge if it's, if it's too little? Does that make sense? Like, how do you make lo- sure it's appropriate? It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, again, I'm going to dart around your conversation to go to a different part for you. I think your question about, your question, Bob, about, you know, about the education, about, you know, maybe I wasn't clear enough in saying, hey, here's the purpose of this, not to say that I'm very confident, because there's often an assumption when people go to healthcare providers, they're there to get better. So if there's this unconscious perception of that, and they're saying that, and when you're telling them that, they're saying like, okay, this clinician said I'll do this for the assumption that if I do this, I will get better. So if I don't get better, something must be very wrong, Um, versus having a conversation with the patient to explicitly state, Here's what we found on exam. Here's what we think um, we can work on. Here's what will be beneficial. Um, we don't know. There's a lot where we weren't able to reproduce your symptoms today. We'd like to try this to see how you respond to the best guide or treatment in the future. And so we'd like you to try this because if you do this and get this result, it indicates this. If you do this and get this result, it could indicate this and give us a good pathway forward in the future. So I think having the as we've talked about a lot, the importance of setting the patient's expectation is you can't replace that. And so I think that's where I would absolutely start, Bob. Okay. But thank you for the feedback. I, I think um, as, we're, as we're talking about this, it's, it's like, I think as physical therapists with like all, like with us, like being aware of the new research, like in physical therapy, um, it's like, it's, it's like a bias to us that like pain doesn't equal harm necessarily. Um, but but the patient doesn't know that. Like the patient doesn't right. know that that pain doesn't equal necessarily equal harm. Um, and like you said, it's they're they're expecting something good to happen, not something opposite to happen. Um, and 
I have another patient just just like that case, and and that reminded me of that. And I think this is a great just learning opportunity for, for me, um, just just to again setting setting up that patient expectation correctly. Like like we talk a lot about patient expectation, like like um, that they have positive expectations, they have good outcomes, but um, I think putting into practice is so much different. Um, but just talking about it makes so much more sense. Um, so, so another patient, she, she basically is like a 12, 13 year old girl. She comes in with low back pain. Um, we do some like core work and some upper back work. And a few visits later, she says that she has no more back pain, um, but she has this pain in her upper back that's like somebody took her spine out and is beating with with it like a bat. Um, so in my mind, that's like I, I just assume that's just residual soreness from her her middle back from working her muscles. Um, so we cut some exercises and then she comes back again and she's pain free all around. So that's, yeah. So, so that kind of pain, people don't really, I guess the general public doesn't really know the difference between why we have pain and, and what it can do to help guide treatment. So thank you. I, yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that where people come in, no matter if they're patients, clients, fellow clinicians, whatever, people have a very different background understanding of the human body and their experience with that. And that directly shapes how they process pain or soreness or other sensations. Um, I have some patients who are very good at that, some who are absolutely terrible at that. And that some people who are very good at pinpointing where their pain is, some people who are absolutely awful at it. And again, that's neither good nor bad, that's just what's the history that they come in with so we can describe that better. I had, but sometimes now when I'm working on um, increasing range of motion in the spine and with um, following that up with appropriate stabilization and control of that, I have a conversation with people explicitly about, you know, if you have soreness in this or that area, um, don't be alarmed. That doesn't equal the, even the pain that you had before. Often what I'm describing to them is the soreness of activating muscles, those spinal stabilizer muscles like the rotatory, the levator costorum, the multifidi up and down the spine, the rectus spinae even, about getting stabilization in those areas in a range that they have never used it before. And so that's why I'm really, um, yeah, so that's why I'm really particular about how do we educate people who say, hey, this is part of the expectation of them. They say, oh, my physio talked to me about this. It's normal. It's good. Um, so, yeah, Bob, I think that people absolutely have a different perspective. Now, to get back to your original question, you talked about appropriate loading, right? Yes. And how do we how do we judge that? How do we appropriately judge appropriate loading? And I think it has to do with how we educate our patients. I think getting that patient buy-in is huge. And so I often think about, okay, what kind of stimulus have they had recently? How, how deconditioned are they? How out of it are they? Um, sometimes I intensely want a little bit of muscle soreness for them for the purpose of, and I explain to them, hey, you feel this muscle soreness? Great. That's a good thing. That That is your sensation of, I want you to try and use that muscle. I want you to use that soreness. Almost like a kind of neurological map in the mind about, hey, this is an area that hasn't been active a while. We activated it. Now let me try and keep activating it. So it's almost like the X marks the spot in the neurological center of our mind for our movement patterns, and then we can utilize that more. Many times, um, I will intentionally on the initial eval um, load them, but load them to a degree that is 
still appropriately loading them and still challenging them, but as far as the load itself, kind of baiting them a little bit and saying, hey, we're going to go low. It may not feel like a lot, or you may feel very sore because you're not used to this movement. That's going to give us good information, but either way, I am expecting this exercise will benefit you. And I kind of go into an analogy how I'm a fan of adding a lot of very thin layers to a cake. Um, so I'm not a fan of, you know, let's just do a ton right now, right away. How about let's add frequent thin layers to the cake so it's digestible. You can build on it and build on success instead of just eating the whole cake and getting food coma and not doing anything for the rest of the week, a.k.a. doing a bunch of exercise, get crazy sore, and never want to do anything. So I want to build that compliance with them. But it's very, very dependent on their background history of exercise, their psychological relationship with movement. And really, so I, I do tend to in the early stages, probably underdo it. Whereas in the later stages, I try and overdo it just a little bit, just barely when they're in that return to sport, return to play, um, kind of return to higher level function type of staging. Yeah, I understand. So what you're saying is initially you, you try to under gauge them, but then later you try to over push them. Is that, is that yes. what, what I'm hearing? It is, Bob. But again, like what you said, it um, it is very familiar. It's a very familiar challenge where there's not always an art and science behind it in terms of what tissue can tolerate what at what given time based on a person's, you know, not only the factors of what their injury is and avoiding that, but what's their nutrition level, what's their hydration level, what's their stress level and like level quality of sleep with their social relationships, like all these things that affect the quality of our tissue and tissue healing, not over, only over a lifetime, but over the immediate amount of time too, that affects how we respond and our immune system responds to that. And even in terms of in-depth physiology about after we kind of in introduce growth factors of different areas, I mean, if you're a strength coach, you understand this, Bob, after we introduce growth factors metabolically, and that are at the DNA level, what's the ability of the tissue to actually respond with that? So there's a huge variation in that. Sometimes because there are so many variables, it's hard to put an exact science on it. Okay. Interesting. So, so based, um, if we go back to, to my little case right there, um, based on like the limited information, what, what would, um, session one, what would you have done for, for trial treatment or, or exercise-wise? Um, yeah, so let, let me clarify again, Bob. She was coming in, no pain, but had tingling in both legs and um, by the quad tendon, and where else was it? So, so she had no pain. So when yep. I palpated her, she had pain in her quad tendons, um, both her quad tendons and both her IT band, um, like the distal portion of her IT band. Um, okay. So numbness, there wasn't really any numbness at all. Um, okay. So, and, and the worst pain she's been in the past week was six out of 10. Um, but that's only when she's on the elliptical. Okay. And so that was her primary complaint coming in elliptical and irritation with IT and what, band. Well, 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 not the IT band and not the quads. And then just, just um, leg numbness when she goes on elliptical and when she stands for hours at work. So when, when okay. she stands for more than five hours at work. Okay. And that was your, and kind of your, your objective findings were, pain and tenderness in those areas versus just palpation-wise. Um, just palpation-wise. Okay. 
but otherwise you were not able to produce any numbness at all. No. Okay. What for the elliptical? Was there a certain amount of time where it's almost like, hey, at this amount of time, the numbness yeah, comes on? How how long? Twenty five minutes. Twenty five minutes. So kind of in the back of my mind, if we're talking about lumbar extension being a factor, causative factor of that, that's a different story. If we're talking a little bit more of intermittent claudication, which I might have taken peripheral pulses for, um, looked at some of those neurological signs, potentially a low, a minor level compartment syndrome, knowing that that's often a sign of, hey, here's a very typical amount of time to test that threshold, test that barrier. I wouldn't test it the first visit, but a couple down the road once I've gotten that buy-in, I'd work to say, hey, we're just going to push you to your threshold and keep kind of nudging that barrier, get to 24, 25, 26, 27 minutes kind of adding a minute each time along the way for her home exercise program. But what I probably would have done in that situation for exercise, I would have kept it really, really simple. I said, hey, I'm sorry if I insult you by babying you for this. I want to strengthen you up a little bit. I want to see how you're moving, see if this changes anything. What I would do is I would literally give her sideline leg, leg abduction raises for glute meat strengthening, knowing that the fascial connective tissue and kind of movement planes of the tensor fascia lata and IT band and glute meat, they work against each other. So a little bit less of that, a little bit more glute meat. I would um, give her, if she had tight, tight quadriceps restricted motion, I'd give her like a tallest test type stretch where it was a leg hanging off the table. Um, I'd encourage her to do, um, continue with her cardio, but take some more rest in between. And I would literally keep it at that. I would say, this is really basic. I want to, again, it's all depending on follow-up. But when I followed up with her, when I had that follow-up, I'd say, hey, how are things going? How does that feel? Is there any difference? Um, and I'd keep it very simple. Hmm. Interesting. Again, those, those are my biases. Um, I'm a big fan of getting at least one little small victory in before there's even hesitancy with somebody like that. Okay. Yeah. So, Okay, I I like that. I, I like um, because so my biases are, and my biases can be totally wrong. Um, so the reason why I gave her, I guess, more and more advanced exercises was because it took her so long for her, her, her irritability levels were pretty low, um, for symptoms to come on. So so yeah. that's. So that was my thought process, um, but again, that could be totally wrong, and it, it did turn out wrong. So, okay. Well, I, I think that that overall, Bob, that is a, it's not a wrong thought process, but maybe a um, incomplete, or maybe it's not always true for every patient. But there are a lot of people who develop their symptoms and soreness and main complaints over a accumulation. So it's not just at that moment. But I have many patients who have enough self awareness to say, hey. It, it might be more challenging to get things immediately, but I know three hours later. I know the next morning. I know late that night when it happens, and that's kind of a typical pattern for them. And this woman may or may not have had any pattern like that, um, but sometimes that's important to ask for about, you know, is, is this related to activity and when do the symptoms come on? Now, in your case, Bob, you know, you, you might have followed that because for her it was very much when I reached that 45 minutes on the elliptical, when I reached that five hours of standing, um, so they were kind of predictable patterns in that area. So that's a tough oh. call. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So another thing, um, 
you want to add anything to it? No, Bob, I like your conversation. I like the direction you took it, so I appreciate it. You want to touch on the website real quick? Absolutely. So I'm actually, um, I pulled it up on my phone, um, and I'm pulling it up on my laptop right now as we speak. Perfect. So so basically, um, there's two websites. There's, so my, my there used to be my fitness blog website. Um, the blog posts are still the same. I haven't adjusted any of them, any of that. Um, but I changed the headlines. Um, I, I changed the titles, changed the blurbs, only on the front page. Um, my mom's website, I, I tweaked it a little bit. I brought it back to life. Um, so both still interesting. Um, I thought more about the appropriate loading as, as I was as I was driving home today about like my unique value proposition. Um, yeah. So I and and this this conversation really I guess gave me a learning experience. Uh, but at the same time, I still believe that appropriate loading should happen appropriately. I don't know if that makes any sense. But. It, it it does, and it's um you know just because you know you might not have hit the nail on the head in one situation doesn't mean that that is evidence to say, oh, my gosh, my theory and my belief and my unique value is completely obliterated. Um, no, it's just it's one situation where maybe you could have improved and maybe that there could have been a, a different approach, but that doesn't just, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Yep. So I'll just talk about it um, as – so basically, so on the two websites, um, one of them, well, they're both they're both home pages, landing pages. Um, nothing, nothing special on my website. Nothing really connected um, email-wise. So I just have the basic layouts done. Um, and I thought to myself that if I wanted to get myself into my mom's clinic, I should get the the online portion of my mom's website really, really well. So so really building that email list on my mom's side, and then. When I come in, um, I'll have that email list for my mom's business, and we can share the email list. So it'll be it'll be the same patients and the same same people. So that's what I thought um, nice. over, over the past over the past week. So let, let me know when when you you're able to get a chance to get on any of the websites. Oh yeah, I'm on. I'm looking through now, Bob. Um, I'm I've read through most of it actually. Um, so I like what you've done with your website. I kind of, you know, like you said, it's pretty much the same as what it was before, but kind of you revamped a couple things, retitled it. Um, and so, again, I think it's, I think it's good to you with your mission. Do you still believe that the word that the um, game therapy works well with your mission? I, I truly believe that it is a great name um, and it aligns with what I believe. Why? Again, like I, I told you, um, it's all for me. I guess it's all about the appropriate loading. So, so, what makes me like tap dance out of bed is is basically treating the patients with with lower back pain, with any kind of spinal pain, but using like like functional fitness stuff. So like deadlifts, squats, cleans, carries, um, overhead um, carries, things like that um, that are that are fun. I, I think again, this is more of a bias for, for my for my side, um, but I think just the population that I'm trying to aim for, it'll be fun for them. And that's the appropriate loading that they're seeking instead of just the regular um, ankle bumps or glute squeezes. 
Absolutely. No, I, I like it. I just I want to hear rationale, and I agree. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter what a lot of people think. It's just does it matter for what your target population thinks? And that's really what's important. Um, I'm looking through the acupuncture sites that you kind of made slash revamp for your mother. Um, I like it. You know, it gets on kind of it. It has a similar vibe to yours um, for a kind of launch title page. You do a nice job um, kind of tell, telling a story through it, kind of talking about the tradition of it, but then also it directly leads into, okay, what can what can we do for you? And here is why we do what we do, and here are testimonials. Um, so overall, Bob, well, I'm not necessarily a technology guru. I think you did a nice job. So with the acupuncture page, so I didn't really do much with my blog page, but with the acupuncture page, it changed it. Um, I moved a lot around. And, and I made it like more fancy, I guess. Um, so again, like I'm gonna delve more into that, and again put gainstherapy.com on the back burner. Um, but I, I think I like to do something more for, for that website, um, just building up that email list. Yeah. I guess just building up that email list for 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 the Queen's Acupuncture website um, more efficiently than what I am doing now. Do you think that what what strategies do you think would be beneficial for you in building up that email list? So what I want to do is um, create some sort of lead magnet, some sort of attractive thing that will get people to opt in for for um, just just give me their email. So so for example, maybe like a, a free guide or a checklist or, or an ebook. So what I want to do is I want to create one by next week and send it to you. And we could talk about it. I like that. I like that a lot. And then, and then we could also talk about any physical therapy things, any things we learn, takeaways um, next time as well. That sounds like a really good plan. I like the focus you came in with. So, so that's where my head is right now. Um, do you have any other thoughts, Nick? Uh, not related to that. So that depends if you want to move on or not. Um, yeah, we can move on. Do you want to talk about anything else? Has anything okay. been on your mind, Nick? Quick question for you, Bob. Are you still, because I saw looking through your website, you talked about your podcast. Are you doing your daily podcast? Unfortunately, I'm not doing my daily podcast. Gotcha. Now, I, yeah, we're doing, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, I, I stopped doing my podcast. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, the lazy bug bit me, and I stopped doing my podcast. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Out of curiosity, how long do you do it for? Um, I would say five months. Nice. That's a good chunk of time, my friend. So, Bob, I've got to – I only, I only bring that up because I was looking through your website. I have a link to that. I have a quiz for you. Okay. What is the quiz? Okay. One question quiz. How many days are in a year? Uh – 365 days? Aced it. Well done. Well, technically, except for this year, it's a leap year, so we got 366. But anyways, um, the reason I say that is that this past Monday, two days ago, I celebrated episode number 365 for my podcast that you, as a good friend, encouraged me to do uh, over a year ago. So That is I amazing. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your encouragement. Um, that is awesome. That is amazing. 
Thank you, my friend. And you know, I was, I was, I was hesitant at first to start. Um, so thank you for giving me a strong push in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you are the, the, the man with the, the perseverance, the talent to push through. So congratulations. So are you still doing the, the weekly, every day you have a different topic? Every day, every different topic. That is amazing, Nick. That is a great thing. Perfect. I appreciate that, Bob. I, it's I, fun, I, man. I enjoy it, and uh, I'm looking forward to what this next set brings. Perfect. All right. I feel like that's a great place to end it. We're ending this podcast on a high note. Um, unless you want to add anything else. Any any other high highlights? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it better myself. We'll have uh, we'll have plenty of updates by next week, my friend. That is amazing. All right. Perfect, Nick. Um, so I'll talk to you next week then. All right, Bob Chang. Be well, my friend. Thank you.